This is ESPN Radio. L.A. was good. Was good. The pressure's still on Sean McVay and Les Snead because they mortgage off the future to win the Super Bowl, not just get to the Super Bowl. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Candy Calling Line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Taking your calls on your favorite Super Bowl snacks or favorite Super Bowl traditions. Make sure you get at us. You can also tweet us at AmberW790, at ChrisCandy99. But, Amber, we got to get back to Super Bowl 56 because I think this is probably one of the most unlikely matchups between two teams based on what we thought these two teams would be coming into the preseason. The Rams, we knew it was Super Bowl or bust, but with the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't think a lot of people were checking for them in terms of them being able to win the division, but then also going on a Super Bowl run. No, nobody saw this coming. I mean, I was one who was high on the Rams at the end of the season when very few people, if any, frankly, were and in these playoffs. But, I mean, I wasn't high on them like I thought they were going to make a Super Bowl. I thought that mm. they were going to, you know, maybe make the playoffs and, and make a nice little run here. Maybe they'd win a game. I mean, I don't think anybody could have predicted this. And, and they're certainly exceeding, exceeding expectations. Like you mentioned with the Rams, they're not, right? They're right where that expectation is. And so I would say the pressure on these two teams is different. Not that there's not pressure on the Bengals, but I do think it's interesting because when you come in the and you come up the way that the Bengals have, like they feel like the hotter team to me. And then you have Joe Cool and the whole thing and all this swag and everything that they have going on with the Bengals. And so they're kind of the hot team of the moment. So I guess in a sense, that's going to provide its own pressure in this game. But the Rams were supposed to be here. And so the Rams are going to be expected to deliver here as well for this Super Bowl. Well, if you can't deliver in your home stadium with Matt Stafford as your quarterback and your head coach going up against his understudy, when are you going to win a championship? Like, that would be the question I would have for Les Snead and Sean McVay if they don't get it done in this one. So, I'm with you. I'm with Sal Palantonio. I think the overwhelming amount of pressure when it comes to the two head coaches has to be on Sean McVay. But in looking at this matchup, I think the pressure point for both teams lies with the matchup between the Rams secondary and the wide receivers for the Cincinnati Bengals because I think that's going to tell the story as to what this game is ultimately going to look like. We all know that the Cincinnati Bengals' offense weakness is on that offensive line. It's one of the worst in football. They allowed Joe Burrow to be sacked 51 times in the regular season, and we saw him get sacked nine times in one playoff game against the Tennessee Titans. So everybody knows that that's a sore spot, and the Rams are equipped to take advantage of it with Aaron Donald and company. But my question would be, to counter what the Rams are bringing to the table along that defensive front, you would think Zach Taylor in that offense would focus on being able to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands quickly. A lot of three-step drops, a lot of in-breaking routes, a lot of catch-and-run opportunities for those receivers. The question would be for me is can that Rams secondary limit those opportunities? Can you close down some of those windows over the middle of the field between the numbers in the short and intermediate zones? If they do a good job of that, matching those underneath patterns, then I think you give that pass rush the time that they need in order to get home. But if you let Joe Burrow hit his back foot and get that ball out, if it's coming out of his hands in less than two and a half seconds, then I don't know how much that pass rush with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and Leonard Floyd is going to impact the production of that Bengals passing game. 
I do think that if we're talking about the matchup that is going to be more determinative of the outcome of this game, I think it's going to be that one that everyone's talking about with the Bagels O-line against the Rams D-line, right? Because of the pass rush and because of how bad that O-line is and because of who you're asking that O-line to now stop, which given this O-line has gotten this Bengals team to the Super Bowl, right? So I guess they've done enough, even if Joe Burrow was laying on his back, what, nine times in that Tennessee game, I guess theoretically they've still done enough with a quarterback who's absolutely excellent, extraordinary at reading the pressure in the pocket and then also at evading the pressure and using his legs when he needs to or getting the ball out quickly when he needs to. But now he's going up against the most athletic D-line, I would argue, in the league. And and things are going to look a little bit different because of that. I don't know if he's going to be able to do as much. I don't know if they're going to try to, you know, run Joe Mixon at the line to try to evade some of that pressure and ward it off. Like, there's a lot of things there. There's a lot of moving parts when it comes to that matchup. So I think that's the most obvious one, and that's why everyone's talking about it. I do think that's going to be the one that dictates the game. I think if you're talking about intriguing matchup, though, that might be different. And maybe it's the one now that you're talking about there with the Bengals wide receiver. Because I do think that's the one that isn't getting the attention. And I think it's interesting because of all that zone that the Rams play. And I think we could look back at that Seattle game uh, against the Seahawks because they have Metcalf and Lockett, right? So they have two good wide receivers there. And the question was, who was Jalen Ramsey going to key in on during that game? And what we found out, if you look back at that game from week five, is that he was in coverage a lot of times on both of those guys at the same time the way they run their zone and even though he kind of keyed in more on Lockett he was still covering both of those guys and I do think you're going to find a portion of this game where you see him on Chase and you see him on Higgins and maybe he's even responsible for both depending where they go in their routes I think that that is maybe more intriguing from an X's and O's standpoint I mean you could probably speak to that better than I can no, I'm with you on that, but you're still talking about the other receivers for the Bengals, Tyler Boyd and C.J. Uzuma. What are the underneath defenders for the, the Los Angeles Rams going to do in terms of trying to limit their ability to get open and try to disrupt the timing of those patterns? Like, to me, it, it has to be the Rams' coverage trying to do everything they can to reroute those Bengals receivers at the line of scrimmage in order to give that pass rush time to work. Those guys need two and a half seconds to be able to break down the pocket and get to Joe Burrow. If Joe Burrow can get the ball out of his hands before that, then that's an indictment on the underneath defenders, the linebackers, the safeties, and the corners opposite of Jalen Ramsey. If those guys are getting early, if they're winning early in the down, then they're going to present a target for Joe Burrow, a safety valve for him to get rid of the football. Listen, we talk about the weakness of this Bengals offensive line, Who knows that weakness better than the players themselves? Zach Taylor knows it. That coaching staff knows it. Everybody in their mama has been talking about that defensive line for the Rams being able to exploit that Bengals offensive line. So you got to think that Zach Taylor is going to have a plan to deal with that. And I think based on what Raheem Morris does from a coverage standpoint, being in zone almost 70% of the time, that's going to present some opportunities for Joe Burrow on a lot of in-breaking routes early in the downs, and then, of course, catch-and-run opportunities. And we know that all three of those wide receivers, T. Higgins, Chase, Tyler Boyd, they know what to do with the ball when they get it in their hands in wide-open spaces. So that's going to be a factor. I think the screen game can also play a role in this because Joe Mixon feels like the guy that's overlooked when we're talking about the skill position core of the Bengals. Like, that's one of the things that they tried to do 
with him and Samaj P. Ryan in the AFC Championship game, I would look for them to fine-tune that and go back to the well against this defensive front that's really aggressive in terms of them trying to get upfield. You let those guys through, they've been hearing all week that they've got to impact the game and be the reason why the Rams win the game. Take advantage of that early aggressiveness from them. Use it against them. Get the ball to Joe Mixon with blockers out in front and let him do the heavy lifting. I think that's how the Bengals can help Joe Burrow avoid that pass rush, making him make bad decisions with the football. At the end of the day, though, you're still asking guys like Isaiah Prince to stop Aaron Donald, right? Mm. I mean, that's like that. That is what you're at. I mean, print. I mean, I don't mean to pile on him, but I mean, he ranks 61st out of 68 tackles and pass block win rate. That ain't good. Since that entering good. the lineup, right? Good. In week 13. Like, that ain't good. And like, that is what is in the Super Bowl. It's unbelievable to think, but it also has everything to do with why. Joe Burrow was on his back nine times against Tennessee or why the Chiefs pressured him on almost 36% of his dropbacks. I mean, that's why that line is bad. And now enter Von Miller, enter Aaron Donald, and it's a whole different ballgame than they've been seeing, even in these playoffs against good pass rush. No, you're right. You're right. But here's the thing. Joe Burrow hasn't been thrown off by being sacked and hit as many times as he has all season. I don't know that that's necessarily going to change once we get into the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. We've also seen Matt Stafford play relatively clean football in the playoffs, not turning it over. I'm wondering if Matt Stafford ends up being due once we get to the biggest stage. I'm just saying, Amber. Not saying, but just saying. Uh, Matt Stafford, definitely with his inconsistencies, that's always going to be part of this conversation. Even if, frankly, Chris, like you mentioned, he doesn't really deserve it right now in these playoffs. Like, He's been good. Yeah, he's been good. He's been good. So I guess we're going to have to lay off Matt Stafford until he throws a couple of interceptions in the Super Bowl on Sunday. We'll see what happens. Coming up next, how should the Rams defend Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense? We'll have the answer for you. This is Amber Wilson, Chris Canney, ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on Twitter at AmberW790 at ChrisCanty99. And Amber, we know that everybody's looking forward to Sunday and the Super Bowl, but right after that, the conversation around the NFL draft is going to heat up, and we'll be talking about all of the prospects and what teams need to be doing and what needs to be happening and so in looking at some of the, the young players that are going to play an integral role in this Super Bowl matchup, Jamar Chase figures to be the rookie to have the biggest impact on Super Bowl Sunday, no? Uh, well, no. I mean, obviously that's Evan McPherson. But then, like, right <laughs> below him, Chris Canty, is Jamar Chase. So, yes, obviously Jamar Chase is going to get the attention here because he's the flashy wide receiver and he's having the unbelievable rookie campaign. Uh, I mean, I say it in jest because I know it infuriates you if I give any respect to a kicker. But I do actually think the kickers might end up mattering in this game. I mean, the Bengals, he is responsible. Evan McPherson, I joke about him a lot, but he is responsible for over 50% or something like 50% of their points in these playoffs. So I do think that both of these kickers, frankly, may become important components of this game. But absolutely, Jamar Chase is going to be the show that everyone is watching. No doubt about it. Everybody's going to want to see Jamar Chase, how he's changed the fortunes of the Cincinnati Bengals, along with Joe Burrow, is the stories that that lore is made from. But we got to turn now to the hotline, Amber, and bring in 
a draft prospect that a lot of NFL fans are hoping that he can step in and change the fortunes of their franchise. That would be Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchin, Aiden Hutchinson, and this is a big boy at 6'7", 260. Aiden, we appreciate a few minutes. How you doing? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday. But as we mentioned, the attention shortly after the game will turn to the NFL draft process. And we want to know how you've been handling your pre-draft process so far. How's everything been for you since your last game at Michigan to now getting ready for the NFL? Yeah, man. Uh, after the playoffs at Michigan, I took I took about five days off. Went to my uh, you know parents' house. Just did nothing for about five days, and uh, and then I went to I'm out in Cali right now training, and uh, I've been training my butt off for the past month and a half now, just getting after it. Uh, you know, uh, just getting stronger, getting faster, doing all those things I got to do for the combine. And uh, you know, it's combine's coming close now, so um, you know I can't wait for it. I'm feeling great. I'm I'm ready to light that thing up. So, Aiden, NFL draft prospecting is now like a year-round sport. So, tell me honestly, when did you start paying attention to the mock drafts? Because obviously at this point, we all know where you might be going, and I'm sure you've had those conversations with your agent and your family and all that. But when did you actually start paying attention to that noise during the season? Yeah, you know, it, it all started to pick up and uh, get pretty hot after the, uh, the Washington game. You know, they had a good tackle, and I had a really good game. And um, that's when I started seeing my name. You know, it's, it's something that uh, I tried to steer away from a little bit. But, you know, I got a lot of friends back home, and they said I was going to the Lions. So they were all sending me stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been really cool to, to see my name and kind of see my rise um, this season in, in, in my stock. And, uh, you know, I'm super grateful. Yeah, I remember when you lit that Washington Huskies running back up in short yardage and forced that fumble. <laughs> that was a hell of a play, my man. Hell of a play. And you guys had a hell of a season <laughs> in you. Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. And we heard reports that Jim Harbaugh was interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings, flirting with the idea of going to the NFL. How much does it mean to you and to that program to see him return to Michigan and be their head coach for the foreseeable future? Yeah, man, it is, uh, it's huge. You know, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was gone to the league, you know, I, with a successful season at Michigan, I thought, you know, you'd go back to the NFL, but, I mean, that just shows his, his true uh, commitment to Michigan and um, that he's there. He's going to be there for a long time probably. And, um, you know, it's super big for those guys, um, you know, for all my old teammates who are still at Michigan. Uh, you know, I know they're all fired up that he's back and, and they're starting to, you know, create a, a nice coaching staff now at Michigan, you know, getting the right guys in place for them to succeed. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for all those guys next year. So, you know, I can't wait to watch them. Michigan DN and 2022 NFL draft prospect Aiden Hutchinson on ESPN radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. So Aiden, obviously, I don't know who, what team you're a fan of in the NFL. You're about to be an NFL player yourself, but I'm sure that you've been watching the league for many years. So who do you compare yourself to in the league? You know, um, I, I think I show flashes of a lot of different people um, and just, I watch a lot of, you know, film and, um, you know, I see guys like JJ, TJ, uh, some of the Bosa brothers. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of guys out there that I see a little bit of them in my game, but really I think I have a very original game and, um, you know, I go out there and, and I play my type of football and it's very unique. So, um, you know, I just think I, you know, I like taking little bits and pieces from, from, them, from some of those elite guys in the NFL.
Yeah, I mean, when I look at you play, it reminds me a lot of Julius Peppers, and that that's the ultimate compliment as far as I'm concerned because you're an absolute freak show when it comes to rushing the passer <laughs> off the edge. Aiden, we can't let you get out of here without you giving us your Super Bowl 56 prediction. Who wins the game and who wins MVP? I got the uh, I got the Rams 30 to 27 in a close game. Uh, Bengals are gonna are gonna come back a little bit in the end, but it's not enough. Um, MVP got to be Matt Stafford. Long time coming. He's a, he's a Detroit Lion, so I got a lot of respect for him, and um, that's my prediction right there. There it is, Michigan Homer, and I ain't even mad at you for that, Aiden. We appreciate a few minutes of your time. Thanks for jumping on with us. We'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Have a good one. All right, that is Michigan defensive end in 2022 NFL draft prospect Aiden Hutchinson. Probably the number one pick, right, Amber? Uh, That's what it seems like, yes. All right, all right, so. Seems like he's about to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. he's He's about to be a Jacksonville Jaguar? Well, there we go. Coming up next, is the Bengals' offensive line really as bad as people say? We'll have the answer for you, but first, a word from Indeed. Just because it's Cupid's month doesn't mean you have to love a difficult hiring process. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates with tools like Instant Match, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description the moment you sponsor a post. Just invite them to apply, and you can even schedule and conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. Rolling along on the last football Friday of the season. This is Chris Canny and Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter at ChrisCanny99 at Amber Wilson at Amber W790. Jumpstart the new year with Body Armor Light, the low calorie sports drink hydrating your active lifestyle. Shop now at retailers nationwide. And Amber, right now, we've got to go into the hotline and bring on football outsiders analyst Aaron Schatz. And Aaron, we got to get your basic take on this game right now between the Bengals and the Rams, Super Bowl 56. How do you see this one playing out? I think the the biggest story about this game is that we are all trying to look for ways to support the underdog because underdogs are fun. And because Joe Burrow is cool. But in reality, the Rams were just the better team this year throughout the regular season. And even in the playoffs, they've been a little bit better. And this game is kind of a mismatch. So these two teams, well, the Rams might be the better team, as you said, by the numbers. But these two teams, in terms of their offenses anyways, they have a lot of similarities, Aaron. So can you explain to us some of those similarities between the Rams and the Bengals? Right. Of course, you know, Zach Taylor worked for Sean McVay before he went to the Bengals. So the offenses are very similar with a lot of play action. A lot of uh, these are the two teams that use empty backfields more than any in the NFL. A lot of 11 personnel and both Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford are really good against blitzes. You do not want to blitz either of these quarterbacks. Aaron, one of the things that people are questioning is how good this Bengals defense actually is. They've been pretty doggone good in the playoffs. 
really holding teams down. And in the last eight games, they've only allowed one team to score north of 30 points, and that would be the Kansas City Chiefs in their Week 17 win over over the Chiefs. But how good is this Bengals defense, and how do you see them matching up against this Rams offense? They were holding teams down at the end of the year, but you know, not a lot of great offenses were they holding down. I don't think the Bengals' defense is that good, not as good as people are saying. It's, it's mediocre. It's not that it's a bad defense. It's just a very average defense. It has some good players, certainly Jesse Bates and Awuzie at cornerback and the edge rushers, uh, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. But for the most part, you know, in the ratings we use at Football Outsiders, they ranked 19th in defense during the regular season. And I think that as, although they've been good in the playoffs, you learn more from 17 regular season games than you learn from three playoff games, even if the playoff games are more recent. So that Bengals defense you don't find as impressive as some people do. That Bengals O-line nobody finds impressive, Aaron. Is it as bad as people say it is? Yeah, it really is. By I think uh, the uh, ESPN pass block win rate, like all the players ranked 50th or lower at their positions, except for the center who was 26th because there just aren't 50 centers to rank. So like every (laughs) offensive lineman on that team has been below average this year when it comes to pass blocking. And they are going to have to just, Joe Burrow is going to have to get that ball out super fast so that Aaron Donald and Von Miller do not get to him. Aaron, do any of your metrics point to the Bengals potentially winning this game? Yeah, I mean, there are some reasons to believe in the Bengals. For example, the Rams blitz more than the Bengals do. And like I said, you do not want to blitz these quarterbacks. So if the Rams, like, make a mistake and go with their usual blitz rates, Burrow will kill them. And he'll kill them in the short middle of the field. The Rams were 29th in defense against short middle passes. Troy Reader, not great in coverage. The Bengals can really pick on the Rams there. And then if the game is close at the end, Evan McPherson is someone you can trust a lot more from 50-plus yards out than Matt Gay. He was 14 of 16 on field goals this year of 50 or more yards. Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, thanks so much for joining us here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for having me on the show. Everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Chris, are you surprised to hear that basically all the numbers are exactly as we thought that they were? Because the only thing that maybe he said there that I thought was a little surprising is that Bengals defense is not as good as people think it is. Yeah, that's the thing. The Bengals defense is allowing less than 20 points a game in the playoffs. And it's been a long time since somebody other than the Kansas City Chiefs has scored more than 30 points on them. you got to go all the way back to week 13 against the Los Angeles Chargers. So, This is a pretty good unit in terms of them finding their footing. And I get it. The individual parts might not wow you when you compare them to the Los Angeles Rams defense. But I've said this about this defense, and I've said this about this Bengals team. The sum is greater than the parts, and you can't quantify what's happened to them and them being able to go on this run. It's very reminiscent of the run that my team went on in 2011 to win Super Bowl Forty Six. We were an awful defense that year by a lot of metrics, Amber, but a couple of things that we did really, really well, we rushed the quarterback, and we were able to get some turnovers. And I feel like this Bengals defense, since the playoffs have kind of kicked off, have shown the ability to be able to do both of those. So 
That's the thing that I'm interested to see because I believe between the two quarterbacks, Matt Stafford is the more turnover-prone of the two. And so I'm interested to see whether Lou Anarumo can come up with some schemes, some disguises that can fluster Matt Stafford early, coupled with that defensive line getting after it, force some early turnovers, some takeaways that can put the Bengals in some advantageous situations. It's pretty remarkable that we're here with the Bengals with an average defense, with an absolutely atrocious O-line, and Aaron's numbers right there as it pertains to each and every individual on that O-line just it was gave the, you the exclamation point on that. Like, that is not being oversold how bad this O-line is, and yet here we are. And we're here with, a you know, Zach Taylor and a head coach, who of course, never been here before, and Joe Burrow, who's never been here before and is only in his second year in the league, with Jamar Chase, who it's his rookie campaign, and he's in a Super Bowl. I mean, it's pretty remarkable when you think of it from the outside that we're here with the Bengals. And the only reason that I was frankly hot on the Bengals at the end of the season was twofold because they were the healthiest team in the league and I kept talking about that component and because they had some momentum and I always hear Rex Ryan talk about how momentum matters in the NFL but otherwise I'm shocked that we're here well here's the other thing that the Bengals do very well too Amber they don't beat themselves they're the least penalized team in the NFL and in the playoffs they have the best turnover margin of any team in the playoff field. So I think those things together let you know that this is a team that's well coached from an execution standpoint and that you're going to actually have to make your luck when you're playing against them. You're going to have to force the breaks in the game, and I'm not quite sure that the Rams are going to be able to do that consistently enough for all four quarters. Think about it. The Kansas City Chiefs going into conference championship weekend were the presumptive favorite to win the Super Bowl. And the Bengals were down 11 at halftime and ended up beating that team. So I, I just see the, the resilience from this Bengals team, the belief, the confidence, the swag. I know we attribute a lot of that to Joe Burrow, but they actually believe that they belong on this stage. And to me, that's a dangerous element when you're talking about trying to forecast what's going to happen on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. You love Coming up next, if Matt Stafford and the Rams lose Sunday – This season will be viewed as a failure? Are you going to respect it or check it? We'll have the answers for you. This is Amber Wilson, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Click or call today. And Amber, we want people to call in on the Canty call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What are some of your Super Bowl traditions? What are some of your favorite Super Bowl snacks? We want to know. It's kind of led us down this path where we had some heated debates. But Amber, we got to get back to some football. Super Bowl 56 is upon us. So why not do a little Respect It or Check It? For those of you that don't know, Respect It or Check It is really like a hot take multiplier we have our producer, Shannon Penn, throw out a hot take, yep. and we're either going to respect it, which means we agree with it, or we're going to check it, which means we feel a way about it. So without further ado, Renee, hit us with some music. All right, here we go. Respect it or check it. Chris, I will start with you. If Matt Stafford and the Rams lose Sunday, this season will be viewed as a failure. Are you going to respect it or are you going to check it? Man, I got to check this. And I get that people are prisoner of the moment. And it's sexy to try to put more pressure on Matt Stafford. But the reality is he's under contract for at least one more season. And in all likelihood, 
the Los Angeles Rams are going to offer him a contract extension this offseason because the marriage between him and Sean McVay has been so good. So they are going to have a window where they can compete for championships for the next two or three seasons. I don't know that they're going to be able to stay healthy in future years because they have some aging stars, but I got to check this just because I think they will have a couple of more cracks in the postseason to be able to make a Super Bowl run. I'm going to respect this, but only because I think that's what people are going to say about this season if they lose the Super Bowl, not because I think that that's the truth about this season if they lose the Super Bowl. I think this season has already been a success for the Rams, but people will call it a failure if they don't win the Super Bowl because this was supposed to be a Super Bowl or bust season for this team because they brought the pieces into their team. They kind of essentially bought their team in a very Los Angeles-type manner. So I think people will call it a failure, even though I do agree with Canty. I actually think there's a pretty high likelihood that they could run it back. I think even OBJ and Von Miller have indicated that they want to be there if the Rams are able to get deals done there. So I actually think you could see a scenario where we see the same team moving forward, but I'm going to respect it because that is how this works, and that is what people are going to say, Shannon. Damn it, I ain't playing. All right, Amber, let's move on. All the uh, focus has been on Jamar Chase and the Bengals receivers. So I will ask you, Amber. T. Higgins will have a bigger impact on the Super Bowl than Jamar Chase. Are you going to respect it or are you going to check it? I'm going to check this one. Now, I understand. No, no. I understand that they may be saying that because I guess they feel like Ramsey is going to key in on Chase and that that they're going to make life too hard on Jamar Chase for him to be the Jamar Chase that we've seen so far in his rookie season. And so that'll free up T Higgins. But I just think Jamar Chase is too good. And I think that that connection between Burrow and Chase and the way that the numbers work out when Chase is available and Burrow getting that ball out fast to Chase, I just feel like that connection is too important for this Super Bowl and for their success. So I'm going to check this, Chris. Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Amber. I got to check it. Damn that. Exactly. Damn that. T. Higgins is a very fine receiver in his own right, went over 1,000 yards, but Jamar Chase is that dude. And even when defenses are checking for him, he still finds a way to get open. He still finds a way to make an impact and help his team win football games. Go back to the divisional round game against the Tennessee Titans. After Ryan Tannehill throws that last interception, everybody in their mama knew that Joe Burrow was going to throw the ball to who? Jamar Chase. And guess what happened? He threw it to Jamar Chase to set up the game-winning field goal by our very own Amber Wilson's guy, Evan Money Mac McPherson. Jamar Chase is just a playmaker. No matter who's on him, he is going to make his plays. He's going to get his. And so there's no way that I'm going to say he's going to have more of an impact in Super Bowl 56 than T. Higgins. No shot. This is Respect and a Check It Right Now, and you're rocking with Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. Shannon, what you got? All right, Chris, here we go. A non-quarterback will be named Super Bowl MVP. Chris, you going to respect it or are you going to check it? Shannon, we're just not on the same page today because this is the third straight take from you that I got to check. No, There's sir. no way no. that it's going to happen. No way, man. I mean, it's going to take an absolute aberration and outlier in order for somebody that's a non-quarterback to win Super Bowl MVP. And I get it. Aaron Donald going up against the worst offensive line in the NFL – He's got a chance to win Super Bowl MVP. Let me tell you something. Go back to Super Bowl 42 when the undefeated Patriots fell to the New York football giants 
Justin Tuck had two and a half sacks. And guess what? Justin Tuck did not win Super Bowl MVP when he helped to slow down one of the most prolific offenses in NFL history. If Justin Tuck didn't get it with that performance, I have a hard time seeing AD get it in this one in Super Bowl 56. So I'm going with one of the quarterbacks winning the Super Bowl MVP. So I got to check this take. I'm going to check it as well. And in part because they're just not going to give it to Donald, even if he deserves the award. And I often think that somebody other than a quarterback deserves the award, but we know how this award goes. It's like the MVP last night, you know, where you could make a really strong case for Cooper Cup or for Jonathan Taylor, but we knew it was going to go to Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady because that's just how it goes. And that's kind of how it feels with these Super Bowl MVPs as well. If there was a guy who is not a quarterback who was going to win it, I could see that being Cooper Cup, but I have to I have to say that I would imagine that it would be Matt Stafford in that scenario if they were playing well enough together as a tandem. It would go to the quarterback. That's how this works. So I'm checking this, even if I don't agree with it. Shannon, all right, we got one more that we're going to get in here. All the talk, of course, has been about the trade yesterday. So Amber, I will ask you: despite all of the drama, the Nets will reach the NBA Finals. Are you going to respect it or are you going to check it? Obviously, I'm checking this because (laughs) the Nets and the Heat can't both be in the NBA Finals. So they would have to get past my Miami Heat to get there, which ain't happening because the Heat are the best team in the East. Also, if they aren't, then the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the East. I'm definitely checking this. I don't know what we're going to get out of Ben Simmons on that Nets team. I understand there's a lot of people out there who feel like Simmons is a better fit than Harden, even though Harden's the better player. We discussed that ad nauseum yesterday. I just don't think that this all comes together, and I certainly, Chris, don't think it comes together with Kyrie only available to them on road games. Yeah, Amber, you know, today is the first day in the NBA season where the Brooklyn Nets are not the sole favorite to win the NBA title. This according to Caesar Sportsbook. Right now, They are tied with the Phoenix Suns at plus 450 to win the NBA title. Everybody's starting to react to this Brooklyn Nets situation, and they know that it's not all good because James Harden decided that he couldn't play with two top 10 offensive players and try to compete for a championship. So I got to check this take, too. The Brooklyn Nets ain't winning the NBA title. It ain't going to happen, not because they're not talented enough, just because they can't get out of their own way when it comes to the chemistry issues. I just have a hard time trusting a team where it has a player in Kyrie Irving that doesn't prioritize winning above all other things. But coming up next, how would a Super Bowl win change our perception of one Odell Beckham Jr. We'll have the answer for you. Amber Wilson, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio.